Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, September 29th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio episode 100. It's Friday. You're going like opposite. How are you? It's not episode 100. What are you whispering? This is not the ASMR podcast. No, it's not. You can't do the ASMR podcast on our 100th. I have to be like. It's Friday. We're trying it's to keep Friday. 100. And like, I don't know if you knew, but it's Friday. It's I'm Friday. Rubbing, I'm rubbing don't love. rub the microphones. The Danica is rubbing Rush. a microphone in, frankly, uh, an inappropriate <laughs> manner. Monday. This podcast just sounds I don't haunted. know. <laughs> Well, there is no way it's not. There's no way it's not haunted. About our haunted podcast. Welcome to our haunted dot podcast. Are we we supposed to be live? Are we supposed to be streaming? No, no, we are not. Making sure. I didn't know if, yeah, yeah, weird, huh? Hmm, Mm. huh? (laughs) You know, I've been thinking a lot about our history as a podcast. Yeah. And and we've run into lots of trouble with streaming devices and boxes and Uh cables. But I will say this not in a fucking bunker anymore. A hundred day, a hundred episodes ago. We were in a bunker. A year ago, actually, it was like the last week of September when Patrick and I launched Vice Gaming's new podcast. Oh. I had to stand and and like had my computer leaning on a tiny little sliver of nothing yeah. and was recording into into a USB microphone. Oh yeah. So you know, <laughs> the, the uh, I'm not gonna... did, It didn't take two hours to start recording. Though. Yeah, I was that's gonna true. say yeah. it yeah, may that's true. actually and a half. Two and I mean, half. That's, always, so. that's that's the weird thing we've always talked about this of being like in this weird middle space of like we are not uh we don't do lots of of we don't do like a live show every day from a studio space at this point. We don't do we only have like two cameras in here, not five or something. Other other people use the equipment and use the setup um and use the room like we share it with other podcasts. Well, we now have a nice helpful sign. I know we we're do not a sign. Streaming, but I did make a helpful sign yeah. the other day. Yes. That sign that also says, looks kind of haunted. It is haunted because a ghost helped me write it, but it does Wait, say you have, to, you have to talk into the, the microphone. The whiteboard says You have to talk into the microphone. Love of all that is holy, please don't touch anything. And anything is underlined with a squiggly underline. Yes, I made yes. a squiggly underline. That's where the ghost really helped very guide spooky. my hand. Yeah, it's, yeah, spooky. it's very yeah. spooky. Just in time for Halloween. Uh, but what I will say, like the thing that's always been weird about this stuff is like it would be easier for all of us just to do it at home, but yes. at a level that's like really good for at home. Yeah. And then there's this huge mm. middle area, which is like... Well, not like not like TV broadcast, and that's the area that like lots of people have to figure out because it's like, oh, you're using TV broadcast like uh, <laughs> cameras, but not TV broadcast soundboards. We're like trying I mean, to I, figure it out. I will say, if we would have recorded from home, oh, we would have been done two hours totally. ago and streamed it. But your boy had a had a, <laughs> had a meeting. Skybound of podcast prep. <laughs> yes. yes, you know, hey, you it's... saw you saw that I got a response about that movie's release date, right? No, you didn't. No, fill me in. Yeah, so, well, we should probably set this joke up, right? No? Maybe yeah, not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, set it up. <laughs> well, there's no setup. It's that out of... People on Twitter started talking about this movie, Skybound, where the tagline is, what is it, like, what if the, uh... 
What if the ground was gone? Yeah. Uh-huh. But you were in a plane. That was the, that's, you, that's an important part. You're in a chartered, like, private jet, and suddenly the ground is gone. What do you now, do? That, that's an enticing turn of phrase, oh. I think. What does that mean? Uh, we don't the tra- know. The trailer is extremely good. It is, it is right up my alley. It is like... My yeah. wife has gone to sleep, and I, I don't have the energy to play a game. I want to have another beer, but I need a justification for it. And Skybound, like, there's a specific <laughs> type of movie, like, Mimic, Skybound, like, th- that's in that realm of, of film. And anyway, so you, I encourage people to look up Skybound. One, you have to put it Skybound 2017 movie. Yeah. Because if you search Skybound, you're <laughs> going to get the parent company that is owned by Robert Kirkman of The Walking Dead <laughs> that does a bunch of other things. SEO uh, is hard, okay? SEO is hard. Tough, man. Uh, and on uh, so this trailer, which came out like uh, last December, I thought for sure that I'd be able to pay three dollars on iTunes and, and watch this this weekend. Like I was legitimately excited to 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 procure this film uh, for my enjoyment, and uh, instead it's not out yet. And so I found their Facebook page, which has. 300 likes, which must be the production crew uh, yeah. of that film. Uh, which is you think no, they had, wait, wait, no, wait, they no had 300? <laughs> they had 300 people on that production? That's like their two, intern. I think it might have been like 266. I might be rounding up. Plus the, family, the, plus family. Definitely yeah. hit likes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I just put in, I saw that it had just opened to Japan, which uh, I was like, okay. There was a mm-hmm. Japanese poster. So I just responded to the Facebook thread that had like three likes and was just like, yo, when's this movie coming out? And then I got a response last night that said, oh, we should have uh, uh, U.S. options shortly, which I think will just mean it's going to be on iTunes. Did it say it was literally? You can buy options to this movie. (laughs) Patrick, this has to be the the image for this podcast. It's you just saying, hey, is this movie out yet? No punctuation, no capitalization. And then Skybound the movie says, Skybound, all caps, was released in Japan last month. U.S. will follow Wait, soon. Wait, but didn't it, didn't it just say something about it being premiered at New York Comic Con, or was I just reading Google wrong? I think that was the Robert Kirkman thing. Oh, yeah, the again, other Skybound, right? of yes. course. Of yes. course. It's got to be specific on what you Google search for with hey, Skybound. I want to say something. There was also uh-huh. the Skybound Stratus trampoline with full enclosure net system oh, hell. for $584, which is like a netted trampoline. Can we I get one a, of those? I have an idea. I have an idea. All right, we're going to have a waypoint party where we watch Skybound while jumping on the trampoline the whole time. I got a, a better I got a better tagline oh, than yeah? what if the ground was gone? Uh-huh. What if the ground was a trampoline? <laughs> the like, ground what was if, bouncy. What if all of the ground? Fuck the plane. I don't know if I can do this. But like, and you're looking down from the plane and everyone's just bouncing all over the place Everywhere. and they can't stop. It'd be like the end of Con Air, but it's two hours long. Can we can we add that mode to Battlegrounds? <laughs> yes, please, Brendan. Please <laughs> add trampoline ground. Next weather effect. The ground's a trampoline now. Can't stop <laughs> jumping. It's a great it's, idea. Yes. In Skybound, there's a seat. There's a moment where they look outside the window and the bison are on fire, and God, they're just so good. running. Why are they and on I, fire? I don't know. That's why. I, because actually, America is burning. It is 2017. Yeah. Is it a metaphor? Yeah. Symbols have been lost. I, yeah. Is it a metaphor, Austin? What do you think? <laughs> Fucking bison are running across the burning plane. That might be a metaphor. <laughs> Was Doctor Steinman a metaphor? Uh, I'm. I'm. I, I legitimately need to know the answer to the mythology question of this movie. Like, I want to know why the ground is gone. Why the ground was okay before they got on. Then the ground. They someone is has stowed away on the plane and said, "You cannot take this plane into the ground." Why does that guy know that the ground is going to get fucked up? I need to know the answers to these questions, which is how I figured out the movie wasn't out yet. He used there are, 
He knew oh, him up to something. Only, only one person has said bad movies. There so are far. reviews over on IMDb. Is yeah. a thing worth noting here. Do you want to read one of these? Which, uh, one, which one? Do you want to read the bad one? Yeah, I'll read the bad one. Ready? Okay, this comes in from, from Michael Fun 69 Okay. Nice. okay. Mm. This is a terrible movie. Acting yep. is terrible. It's like a school yep. project. People okay. walking freely on plane with the door open? Bullet wound oh. recovered so fast? <laughs> this show is a joke. Is this made for television? I've seen lots of trashy movies, and this is the worst of all. The two white actors have done better shows. The ladies acting are worthless to even mention. Oh. Wow. So is I this think- cinema sins? Is this from a NeoGAF thread? That was a, this is a NeoGAF thread. NeoGAF reviews Skybound. NeoGAF uh, Everybody else loves it, though. The other else, five people. This person says... Like, what did that person expect going into this fucking movie? Like, he's like, hmm, Skybound seems... You know, it seems interesting. Seems like, I'm a little legit. disappointed in the in the uh, logistics of in the the plane in the air. Like, what the fuck? It's a trash TV movie that you find on Sci-Fi. Come of on. Of course, that's what it is. I like the 2012 meet Speed. Uh, I'm gonna read this one from Aldrich Banks. <laughs> who says, for the first 10 minutes, you'd be thinking it's a low-cost, no-plot film showing a bunch of teens indulging in their fancy lives, <laughs> private plane, colored lovers, yes. multiple relationships. Wait, wait, what? Even when the fake cult leader, any cult is fake, literally appears. There is still no interesting clue at all. It adds a bit of flavor when there are mysteriously many planes hovering in the air. And nuke apocalypse. Don't spoil too much of the movie. That's I'm all actually, I'm going to say. Yeah, we okay. can't go further. We can't go any further. That's all I'm going to say. The rest, of this, the rest of this does answer some questions. Please don't. Yeah, please do not spoil. Like, it does say that the verdict keep getting more racial. Mm. Yeah, that's the part I really I need to know about It does here. say that the movie would be more delicate and compact if cut to 40 minutes. <laughs> You guys ever okay. get the Skyrim mod that made everyone more delicate and compact? <laughs> it's from the creator of Clean Faces. Uh-huh. Uh. This is actually just like fresh and entertaining. We watched this on a Saturday night with some friends staying over. and Where, had where a did really they watch it? Do they have a copy of the movie? How do I get it? That's the what was edited. That's the editor yeah. of the film. <laughs> <laughs> His friend is the director. Still only gave it guy. nine stars, though. That's... Uh, I like that this person really gets into the... the, the I love that first line. I love that first line. The film gets exactly what you've been thinking and feeling for many years now, that a huge disaster or terror attack could happen at any time. What would you do in such a situation? <laughs> How would you put together the pieces if you only had limited information? The film picks up all these questions and turns them into an action-packed thriller with a finale that I never saw in a similar movie before. Uh, I'm in! Never- so oh. they ride Here's, bison back to the ground. I don't know. We're not going to. I don't know. Here's, they one, do. here's one final line in the. This is from the 2012 meets speed review okay. uh, from uh, Miami, Florida. The first line is just you can't slow down. Be, you can't slow down and land because the ground is dot 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 gone. <laughs> Incredibly good. <laughs> That's uh, the plot. Thank you for being an investigator. Thank you for being a journalist, Patrick. I appreciate your <laughs> rigor in this. And all of I've, I've, I've liked the Facebook page. I need an update to that thread when I I need to know when that movie's available. You're the I'll only let, oh. non-bot like on that page. <laughs> oh, probably true. <laughs> God. How's everybody else doing? Does anybody else have any, any disasters? Any? Well, it depends how you define disaster. Well. <laughs> I had a disaster on a plane recently. Oh, that's right. <laughs> What's your? Did the ground disappear? <laughs> no, the Let's ground all... did not disappear, but all semblance of uh, human decency did. That definitely happened <laughs> on this plane. I I went to Scotland. I had an amazing trip. It was time of my damn life. And then on the way back, there was a very drunk man uh, 
and a very drunk woman hitting each other and yelling at each other. God. And we almost had to divert the plane. And I like to- with fists? With fists, yes. Wait, what? Yeah, they were hitting each other. And I went and I told the flight attendants, who, you know, later on broke them up, but... Were they Scottish? They, yes. But, oh, my God. But everybody I met in Scotland was wonderful. Okay, mm. so I'm not going to say that had anything to do with it. Oh. I you met these people. You did a lot of people. fighting in Scotland, though, didn't you? I did, actually. I did Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu almost yeah, every day in Scotland. Yeah, but you thought that Scotland. was like, just like you went to a gym and that's like, you didn't realize that's just... That's you do it on a plane <laughs> people were when you're coming from Scotland. Scotland. That's what it is. So how did they get, how did this get broken up? Well, eventually the flight attendants physically broke them up Jesus. and made them separate. However, they figured out that I told on them. So the guy was threatening me for like an hour. And I was sitting right in front of him. So I thought I was so going to So he's just like quietly like. He was quietly. Oh, so he this talked about how people actually. with brown eyes are evil. He talked about how there are children dying in Mexico. So we need to get some perspective and don't complain about him. He talked what about. Them? Yeah. Oh, I am verbatim. I Can actually wrote the this brown down. eyes thing. I wrote this down. I wrote down notes of the things he was saying to me in case I needed to make a police report. At the oh, end. Fair. oh, my God. It was really Pretty Sounds intense. like everyone had a good week. So, oh man, I'm I'm glad I wasn't there because I would have straight up American turned around and smacked his face. Sticks up their arse, assholes, assholes. <laughs> Anyone with brown eyes is a nutcase. Going to slap them, going to kill them. Then there's a whole oh my people. There are people dying in Mexico, and these assholes are complaining about me. And then he started calling me sleazy and a backstabber. And you know I've this guy. Wait, hold I've up. worked hard all my life. I've earned this holiday, and they complain about me. I hope you fucking die now, bastards. The and Scottish then they version. Them. The Scottish version of Curb Your Enthusiasm is way darker. Than oh my god, <laughs> that is like, that is a horrifying story. It was a so little bad. Did you just have to ride that out, or could like, did the flight attendants maybe take any further action with? Like, they eventually any of this guy's... separated them, oh. and they kept but not threatening to him. him from you. What's that? But not separating him from you. No, they didn't do that. Thanks, American Airlines. (laughs) (laughs) On blast, baby. (laughs) Fuck. Jeez Louise. So I thought I was going to die the whole time. I feel like me complaining about wires is way less interesting. Well, you know, you can complain about wires. It's not the same. Wires are terrible, too. Daniel, you fucked them up. Oh, oh, 100%. No question. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. No. 100%. Question. I like, was actually the whole time. You start something? Honestly, a little bit. Oh, that would have been so good. But the only problem was that Fuck. my back was to him by necessity, and that's what made me scared. If I was right. watching this guy, like, I no question. I would have knocked him out with two punches. How was no one else tattling on them? I think they is, were. Okay. It's just that I was yeah, right in front of them, close. and they saw me oh, yeah, tattle. Yeah. So. Did they say tattle? No, I snitch. think they said snitch. Grassed. Snitch. Yeah. Wow, they called you a snitch. You should have gotten snitch. out. They've the, got some street You should have gotten your bag down. Yeah. Gone, like when you landed, gone out front yeah. and be like, "What? Like what's good? Like you wanna you wanna do something about yeah. this? Put your just like he's like your, a drunk old man. Hold your luggage like, <laughs> until he's coming down the the walkway yeah. and then just drop it. Like, like just been boom. like, hey, hey. Yeah. Put on, put in fake. I'm right here. You want to go to sleep? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Look at my brown eyes. Exactly. Look at my brown eyes. I'm a nutcase, baby. God, <laughs> like, oh God. Oh. Anyway, that disaster doesn't tell. I was I was trying to throw to a much less intense oh, disaster. <laughs> that one's good. I'm glad we got to talk about it on the podcast. But Rob was saying that he had his own self self imposed catastrophe today. Yeah. Uh, I kind of fucked up. Oh no. And I, I think where this begins is uh, when I was living in LA. 
Um, mm-hmm. I got used to gaming on a a, a big screen TV mm-hmm. uh, with a five one surround system, and that was pretty cool. I kind of I kind of liked that. I was like, "This is good." You didn't bring that out. You didn't put that on the truck. That system. Uh, oh God, like transporting anything cross country, like triples, like the like basically, right, right. it's three times the value of what the good is actually worth now. Mm-hmm. So it's just mm-hmm. not worth doing. Uh, so no, like basically, I like left my apartment in LA burning behind me, uh, which I felt pretty guilty about when I saw the pictures uh, from earlier this month. Uh, but you know, that's not here nor there. Uh, so I decided, what if my home office uh, had a had a surround system? Uh, and then I thought, well, what if I had a TV in addition to a pretty good monitor? And then I was like, what if I just had a 55-inch 4K TV? That's big. In my office. And uh, Is it so, on the wall? Is it? Rob's uh, picking well, up a camera. One second. Oh, oh, Rob's here we picking go. up his webcam. We're his going web on a cam. journey. We're going we go. on a little trip. FK oh. homo, motherfuckers. Oh. <laughs> That's very big. It's a nice size it's, monitor. It's a lot of screen. And That's just steam. You just have steam up. Okay. Yeah. Uh... So do you turn and face it when you're playing a game? Is that what your deal is? So this is where things are starting to go wrong. Uh, well, I mean, it's the newest area where things are starting to go mm-hmm. wrong. So my computer never had a problem with like a dual monitor setup. Like that was fine. That was cool. But it turns out that it doesn't really like running one display off a direct input and another right. through an HDMI input on a receiver that's outputting to a 4K TV display with a lot of different settings. Yeah. It also has its own settings that sometimes like like to conflict with what the computer's trying to output. Uh, and so I'm still figuring out how this works, and there's a lot of like weird arcane rituals I have to go through to, to make this really work. Goat also, heads, lots of blood of, of doves. <laughs> yep. Also, 4K is a lot of pixels. It's too like, many. I'm it's, good, actually. It's a lot. I have a 4K TV. Like, I'm all right. Yeah. I'm not sitting that far away from it. Yeah. It's like if, if things look I'm okay good, on that actually. screen, they're enormous uh, on the monitor. It's it's kind of tough, but I will say I've started playing a uh, – God, I think it's still embargoed. So uh, I'm a video playing game. a racing game that okay. looks oh. real fucking good in 4K. Oh, I bet. Uh, that's, like, that's why you get a 4K TV. Yeah, Three right, things. Right, right. Nature documentaries, mm-hmm. racing Birds, games, mm-hmm. cars. The third one. What's the third one? It's not porn. I was, I was going to joke and say porn, but I was like, no, yes, I'm good, it's actually. Not it's not. I don't need 4K porn mm. in my uh, life. The, the review bar- embargo is up, uh, Rob, so you're free to mention what that game is. Okay, yeah. Wait, is, he, wait seven. is that the one that's up or is the other one? There's two car games that we gave Rob code for in the last <laughs> week. Well, but Pro- Project Cars 2, that one is already also, also Okay, fun. so we're good. It yeah, rhymes was, with Quartza. Yeah, probably yeah. ours. That was, that was a week ago. Okay. Uh, so Forza looks good? Yeah, like good probably doesn't describe it. Uh, I had a race this morning that was at uh, Spa Frankershamps, which is a really well-known uh, racetrack. And, like, you don't have to explain it. that to us, Rob. We know what that is. <laughs> okay. Uh, but anyway, like, so I was driving like a 1967 Ferrari F1 car, and it looked fucking rad. And I'm driving around this track, and it's like kind of a misty gray, like Ardan forest type, like it's kind of mm-hmm. menacing and brooding. And then it starts to fucking rain. And it's raining in parts of the course, but not others. Uh, and it was like ridiculously 
I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, so this is just like a portal into another reality where I'm driving a <laughs> oh, 1967 yeah. Ferrari F1 car because, like, it just looks, it looks real. Uh, right. It, like, to the point where it's actually a little distressing because, uh, like, you start, like, Danielle and I have talked about this, uh, God, what was it? You were playing Dirt uh, yes. about the rain effects, the weather effects mm-hmm. in that game. This is a similar boat where, like, it's starting to get that same, like, tense across the shoulders feeling you get when like you can't see out of your car but you're going real fast uh, and you're like actually driving in real life and it's terrifying because you can yeah. die right yeah. but there's like yes. something like something in your in your blood yeah. that recognize in your lizard brain that's like no that's real this I'm gonna get real. into a car accident <laughs> yeah. my ancient die. caveman ancestors did not like getting into car accidents yeah once they invented the wheel that's what happened every time every- it was really scary they gotta go slow in yeah. the rain yeah but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's been rad as hell, uh, but overall, I have to say, I think 4K might have been a bridge too far uh, in some ways, <laughs> certainly for my video card. Yeah, you'll uh, catch up. You just got to get a new video card and then a new CPU. A new and machine. Then, new eyes. Machine. You know. Yeah, yeah, new eyes. Yeah. That's what I need. That's Someone nice. send me some new Super eyes. Nude. Don't send me new eyes, <laughs> no. please. Don't know where they I, came from. I don't have our address out. I don't want anyone to send me new eyes. Right. Send them a new UI. That's it. Uh-huh. God. All right. I think. Are there any other disasters to report, or should we dig into this this episode 100 question bucket? Oh, no bucket. disasters. All right. I'm gonna start with a, a pretty light Wait, one. Wait, who saw the bear game last night? Oh, shut oh. up. <laughs> Patrick is wearing a Chicago Bears It's a good thing we didn't stream because we'd be getting, getting a lot of comments about that. It's so. true. Oh, we boy. would be. Uh, let's start with a, a light one. This one comes in from James, uh, who wishes King a happy James. 100th, and who says, what is one game that you would like someone else on the podcast to play? Okay. That's on the spot. Huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, but yeah. there's a lot of people. There's five of us on the podcast, so like, that's going to be enough for um, us to generate. I think I want Patrick to play Dragon Ball Fighter Z. But I've played a fighting game. This is a fighting yeah, this game. Is thing. With, that's, I wanna, that's a it's I, I think okay. like, isn't like the, the, the heart of the question is like ultimate, something that would like ultimate be Ultimate Ninja Storm. Naruto Naruto <laughs> Ultimate Ninja Storm. That's a different anime fighting no, game. No, there's a story the story is extremely okay. good. Yeah. Okay. You want him to like get the, the Naruto yeah. story yeah. so he knows enough of it so you can make Naruto references. Yes. And he'll be like, "Oh yeah, I get it. Yeah. Gara." Yeah, whatever. so I can talk to so I can be like, "Hey, Sasunaru, huh?" And then he'll be like, "Yeah, I know I know you I mean. know what you mean." Yeah. I think he knows what that means anyway. No, he doesn't. He had a knowing look. I think we all know in our hearts. Masusara? Other way. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I just said something racist. But yeah, probably. Oh, God. Oh, no. Any other, any other good ones here? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I feel like Rob. Of, we, all, we all played Battlegrounds, so it's like I, that would have been a game yes. that I would normally want to thrust on other I people. I want Danielle to play Battlegrounds. Me yeah. too. Brendan, add controller support please to the PC controller version support. now. Please add, yeah, please. People with fucked up wrists. Please. please. <laughs> Rob, I feel like, has a war game for each of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Gosh. I picked up Command Ops for you. Okay, thank you. Uh, Danica's getting Valkyria Chronicles. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one. I do need to play it. I do need to play it. I do need to play it. I do, yes. You do? Yeah. I kind of want... Danielle's definitely getting yeah. uh, Ultimate General Gettysburg. Yeah. Not Civil War. Gettysburg's probably the, the strongest. <laughs> that's the one. Gettysburg. That's the one. Uh, Patrick, I'm going to Gettysburg. Uh, Patrick... You know, he's a bright, details-oriented guy. Uh, I think he can do anything he sets his mind to. Uh, you get Gary Grigsby's War in the East. No. <laughs> that sounds complicated. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Uh, uh, rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Hey, oh. Nazis Nazis are very in right now, so. Unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that's a know. shame. 
I want everyone to play Romance of the Three Kingdoms. The new one? No, no, not the new one. The last PS2 one is the one that I want everyone to play. I think it's 11 Hmm. is the one that I want everyone to play because it has like an RPG mode where you get to just be one person but also like go on quests and then fight in the romance of the Three Kingdoms era. It's like, it's really good. That sounds good. That's all. I have a really Danielle answer. Yeah. Which is that I want everybody to play a game that I love but Mm -hmm. all together with one controller. Like all five of us playing Banjo Kazooie together with one controller. Like passing it around? No, as in like, the we controller is here. I fucking hate this. Can we, we get, have, like, a oh, button. Can we get a big version we, of the controller at least? Yeah, sure. Like a bigger version yeah. of the N64 controller. Absolutely. Like you could use your <gasps> and legs it's like with the analog stick. It's like whack-a-mole basically. Right, we're yeah, like, jump, jump, okay. jump. Yeah. All right. So what you, you, have, want, you have like two buttons each. You want Space gotta, Team, but yes, a platform. Yes, Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Okay. I'm pretty into that. Netrunner is my other answer always. All right. I think that's everyone has. Patrick, did Patrick have an answer? I'm not, I'll, I'll think of one throughout the podcast. Okay, I have, nothing comes up. immediately to mind. I'm sure you'll find it though. Uh, this one comes in from Craig. It's a little bit longer, and it's it's about industry stuff. Happy 100th episode. So many. So my question involves the monetization of games and how they are evolving. Microtransactions have encroached on game design to the point where many online games ostensibly use capitalism or avoiding capitalism as a game mechanic. When I when I play games with limits to how much I can play without paying for extra stamina, it quote unquote stamina or energy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, things that have gates like that, it alters how I play games. When a pay to win mechanic in in game where not paying puts you at a disadvantage, so you need to gauge how much you are willing to min-max when you pay versus struggling through content, it becomes the content. The struggle becomes Hmm. the content. In some ways, this mechanic can actually feel fun, either by buying power or overcoming a severe disadvantage to accomplish something without paying extra for it. Do you find strange satisfaction like I sometimes do in avoiding or embracing those restrictions? Do you think the shifted focus to embracing a perpetual pay structure presents interesting gaming elements as well as feeling pretty shitty because of how it separates wealthy winners from everyone else? Then again, capitalism fucking sucks. I would rather games don't become capitalism simulators. Anyway, sorry for the text wall. Thank you for your wonderful insights. Here is to the next 100 episodes. Peace. (laughs) Craig from Baltimore. Um... Thoughts. I kind of love microtransactions. Like, it's, do you? It's, yeah, it's it's bad, but I get like a weird. I don't know. Like, I was really into like uh, playing Crazy Taxi, yeah. and I honestly didn't mind watching ads. That felt kind of fucked up. Well, they had the, the good thing about Crazy Taxi. What was the actual name of their mobile game? Whatever it was called. Um, it was like Crazy Taxi something, something millionaire. Gazillionaire. Yeah. yeah. Um, was like they did the fake ad before the real ad, yes. and so it always like yes. that was like this weird thing where it injected a little like right. s- stimulant. I'm like, oh, that's a funny fake ad, and then they give you the real ad, and you're like, this is a bad looking mobile game. Yeah, and I'm playing um, Wiz Khalifa's Weed Farm also, and that one has a lot of the same. The same <laughs> How's your weed farm ads? going? It's going pretty well. It's I'm glad. Well. Is everyone in Petaluma playing Wiz Khalifa's <laughs> Weed Farm? In real life, yes. <laughs> Yay! Good. Um, and also like Fire Emblem Heroes, I. Right. I, I I don't know. I, I kind of just really dig like gotcha games and That's the thing is like I actually super enjoy gotcha games to the right. point that part of what I'm enjoying about Endgame Destiny is that it's turning into a gotcha game, which is like, oh, I'll go out, I'll get some Engrim like Engrim's are already just a gotcha system of mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm gonna put in some time and then receive right. a drop and oh, I'll open spent that drop. Money on, on Bright Ingram yeah, me too. I've also spent money I've on Bright Engrams money, at this yeah. point, which is like bad because I hate that system <laughs> and that See? system should be bad. Oh, God. Mm. But what I actually just like about it is like in the same way that I like Fire Emblem Heroes, I was like, oh, I'm going to finish the story mode or the story like level and I'll get enough coins to get a pull from right. the stuff. 
I do the same thing in Destiny with the powerful engrams every week, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, I'm just going to clear this out. I think, a st- I mean, Patrick, you've written about Destiny at this point as being a thing that takes a lot of time. But mm-hmm. um, Polygon just ran a story that was like, you only have to play Destiny for five hours a week now. Like, that's what Oh, Destiny just five hours. Oh, I know, awesome. I know. Well, compare <laughs> that just, to what... Let me just go find the, the time bucket. Well, like, the just thing pull five hours out of there. You say that, there. but I got a text from someone who leaked me that piece today, and she was like... That's not a good thing. I want to play this game for 20 hours a week. This is like what she used to do was like this was her game with friends. Right. She got to play it. The way that some people play Overwatch and they play it for 20 hours a week. The way that some oh, sure. people play Battlegrounds for 20 okay, hours a week. that's fine. But I'm like, not judging. I just the, have no idea how an adult can do that. Adults, there are various degrees of free time for adults, right? That's like, true. You, the way, like, imagine someone who doesn't grapple, who doesn't do EMT stuff, who mm-hmm. has a lot more free time. Oh, I've been putting, like, 20 hours a week into Destiny. Like this. This okay. is how an adult does okay. it. And also, Danica works her ass off, so it's not like... I, I know. Danica does work her ass so, off. That's why I'm saying... I do it in between, you know? Danielle, your version of free time is equivalent to my version of free time, and that we should not compare our versions of free right. time to, to other adults. To other adults, right. yeah. So the thing is, like, the thing that I like about the five-hour-a-week... So for people who don't know, in Destiny 2, the way it works is that every week there are like six things that that reset that let mm-hmm. you get a really powerful mm-hmm. item. Mm-hmm. So it's like do a bunch of stuff in the PvP mode, and yes. that'll give you one. Or do uh, the flash or the the whatever the flashpoint is that week. Do a bunch of public events on a specific planet, and each time you do one, you get to turn that crank of the of the gumball machine and right. get yourself a new piece of mm-hmm. gear, mm-hmm. and it's really satisfying. It's really good. Um, Love to pick up legendary engrams all the time. What if you get a legendary? You, you open it up and it's yellow and it's an exotic. It oh, feels yeah, so that's, good. That's, that, that's shit. that real shit. And the thing that's like fucked up is I like that way more than if there was 20 compelling hours every week of stuff like yeah. I do just want that little five hour right, right, right. like mm, can I ask an snack. honest question yeah so I I just must be completely on the outside of this because to me like the most rewarding thing in a game is like it feels great to jump it feels yeah. amazing to move around in a world like yeah. the thought of of that sort of element of chance of just like, oh, you're you're working to get a reward. Yeah. I, I don't so, think I can wrap my head around so it. First which, and foremost, which like, I must just be missing something. I think Destiny 2 just feels good. Like as far as okay, the shooter okay. goes, it is just like a some of the best shooting on the console market, mm-hmm. like I think probably my favorite in terms of just like what the gun. So it is rewarding good. to play yeah, itself yeah, yeah. in itself. But then it drops in these other things that are okay. also that are um that help you for me, they help me compartmentalize a section of play as being working towards something instead of okay. just being and it's way better than in Destiny One, which was like you just run the same flash or the same uh what's the thing I'm thinking of? What are the stupid not flashpoints, the same strikes over and over and over and over again to get mm. good drops and like I, I'm glad that I can get good drops by doing all of these different types of activities now instead of that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a nice way for me to like, hey, this is I'm in, I'm going to spend an hour tonight. I'm going to get a reward. I'm going to check out of Destiny instead of feeling like all I can do is run that strike over mm-hmm. and over. Okay. Um, anyway, I feel I feel I like I like gotcha. You like gotcha stuff. stuff. I, I like I don't know. I kind of like microtransaction stuff. I, I don't know. I, capitalism. My relationship, <laughs> Patrick, has your relationship with this changed? Now that you're a father, now that you have less time, where like one of the things that companies always say about microtransactions is this is for people who don't have a lot of free time and they want to skip a bunch of content. They want to be able to play with their friends. They want to be able to like jump ahead and not feel left out. Has that become any more compelling to you in anything? Or uh, like, I can s- like I can see it. Like I would love if I could like I would pay 20 bucks to have uh, a level another level 280 character in right. Destiny. Just give me like a generic 
it's not super kitted, but it's just like, here's enough shit. So like, I, I don't have 25 hours to go bring up a hunter, but I'd right. love to have a hunter so I could like roll around with that and, you know, eventually run the raid with folks and not be mm-hmm. completely stuck on my warlock because that's what I invested the, the time in. So I would pay $20 to just like, just let me skip over all that stuff. Like, let me just, I don't want to play the story again. I don't want to run the adventures again. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. just give me another character and I would pay 20 bucks for that. Um, Or like, like, you know, I'm on the, at this point, the problem with the raid for me is not that I need a character. Like, I have a character that's essentially leveled to that. I just need, I wouldn't, I don't have eight hours, like a whole Saturday to dedicate to it. But I could totally imagine someone who's like fumbling around at 240 and all their friends are at 280. It's like, if they want to pay 10 bucks to just like skip that and just like get some stuff like don't give them like the best equipment but like just give them equipment so they can like go play the raid with yeah. like, I don't see it I don't see any that, that doesn't seem to break the economy that doesn't seem like that's offensive I mean it's offensive to people I guess who they self-identify around the work that you've put in and I think that's where a lot of the rub comes with some people is that some people will actually never engage with the microtransactions but they find it in a front that someone would want to engage with the microtransactions when Mm -hmm. I think if they're implemented properly and it doesn't kill the skill and time arc for people that want to do that I don't really see I don't have a I don't see the problem with that if it's done properly because I think in Destiny you've bought the bright engrams but I don't think the no. I don't like that system, but I don't think it breaks Destiny. No. All, it, all it does is if you want to pull the lever again really quickly, like mm-hmm. they've given you a system to to do that really quickly. And sometimes yeah. you find yourself falling into that trap. We're like, yep. ah, I haven't I haven't gotten something good in a while. Well, Fuck it, I'll pay two bucks or whatever it is to to engage with it. And but I don't think it breaks Destiny as much as like Destiny has a really good uh, gotcha system, like a really good uh, you know slot machine system yep. that you it's so you don't mind paying. A couple bucks to, to run it again. And it actually uh, always reminds me of the way I, like I'm playing through SteamWorld Dig 2 right now, which is an mm. excellent game that people, if you have a yes. Switch or PC, it's on everything, I think, nice. at this point. Uh, it's really, really good, uh, especially if you're like me and don't really know where your 3DS is and you wanted a Metroid-style <laughs> game. Like, this is a really good one of those. Um, it reminds me of how I play all of these games where uh, I, when I start getting resources and I can upgrade my character... I invest all of my resources in like the first couple of hours into resource related upgrades. Right. Get more XP, expe- get more money, at get the expense more of everything else. Like yep. I don't want to be able to jump further. I don't want to be able to shoot uh, better. Like I put, I, I spend hours maxing out, or not maxing out, but like getting a lot of time into the resource stuff because it ends up looping back around and benefiting you around the mid game. So in the early game, I suffer, and like right now in the mid game of SteamWorld Dig Two, like I just have way too much money. Um, where I can just constantly upgrade all the stuff whenever I want because I suffered through the early parts of it where I'm like, ah, I'm just going to be a weaker character, um, but I'm going to have all this money and just and dump it all into that. So, Speaking of the Switch, very briefly, the the Red Hook games, Red yeah. uh, announced or uh, showed off Darkest Dungeon on Switch today oh. on Twitter. It looks good. I'm excited that that game's coming. I'm going to buy that game again for the third time. I bought it on <laughs> iPad already, too. I'm going to buy it for the first time. I'm very excited, excited for that. To, to, yeah. I've been uh, always wanted to get around to it. The people like yourself and others that have written, mm-hmm. I distinctly remember... Like one of the first pieces I saw that you wrote was uh, you wrote about like anxiety. And, yeah, the, the uh, darkest, dungeon darkest dungeons, Pace, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, totally. um, I remember that was one of the first pieces I saw of yours. It's always been on that list of like, ah, I got to try that. And uh, the switch the feels s- like a good 
What's good, a good and it just it fits in you know like we have this piece that went up on the on the site or it's going on the site today about like traveling with a switch yes, for it's coming for a up month soon. Yep. Yeah. Um, and for me, like, I, like when I can uh, multitask and watch a, a Netflix show while like playing the Switch, like, is my ideal scenario. Yeah. Where it's a game that I can turn the sound off and be okay, but still engage with the game. And Darkest Dungeon seems like it would fit very well into a scenario like that. So I'm, ex- I'm excited to finally play that game. Totally. All right, next question. Oh, I made it on the Daily Caller too. Waypoint got its first Breitbart mention. Oh, Ian Miles Chong. Oh, I'm on the That's the trifecta. Oh, trifecta. There it Fuck. is. If you had your money on Ian Miles Chong, Ian Miles Chong, then what, one, there it is. what are you doing? But other two. games journalists like Vice Waypoint editor in chief Austin Walker. Oh, what's good? God. Joined the chorus of condemnation against the ESA. Yeah, oh. what's good? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, of course. Of course. Have of we course. met? We haven't. I've not met Ian Miles Chong. He used to he used to fave everything I tweeted though, so oh. I don't know what oh, happened really? there. Oh, yeah, well, well, you know. I times Luck how the times. Say that again, Rob. I've played mm-hmm. Left for Dead with him a few times. Oh yeah? Oh, oh boy. Life is life is funny. You know, life mm. has a way. Life life finds life a way. Life finds a life way. Life finds a way. It has I'm a way. I'm still actually perplexed by what exactly happened and how, because oh, like, yeah. it's just very strange to like have a casual, friendly acquaintance sort of resurface ages later <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's uh, <sighs> th- feels like things have changed, man. Yeah. Ch- changes, like, we, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it happens. Also, I don't need yes. that mystery unpacked for me. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> don't write in about <laughs> that one. <laughs> yes. I don't Let me timeline. fill in the blanks uh, with an imagined tale. Uh, I'm sure it's better <laughs> make than sure, Make sure it's a dark one. Make it's sure gonna it's be. One. This one comes in from Cameron from Melbourne. Uh, hey, Waypoint, I just finished the first episode of Star Trek Discovery. Oh. After watching its pilot with its allegorical Klingon fascist, I was a bit disappointed at its focus. While I think the stories that give us ways to view the present are important, in the past I've turned to Star Trek for visions of a better future. Mm. Right now, when everything seems dark, I think utopian ideas help give us hope and uh, hope and ideas. I was trying to think of other good utopian fiction. I couldn't think of anything in the world of games. My question is, can you think of any games that point to better worlds? And what place do you think that they have right now? There are. They're just weird. Oh. <laughs> Battleground. Beautiful utopian vision of the world. Not Hell a yeah. terrible so, allegory for our current does lives. Does the utopianism of Star... Star... Starcraft. Starcraft. Yep. <laughs> the Terran <laughs> utopian vision. Yes. Space truckers are the utopian future. <laughs> they're, listen, they're still employed. They didn't. The, the automated space job. trucks didn't take away their jobs. That's a utopian vision of the future. <laughs> On the other hand, prison labor has become the Marine Corps. <laughs> yep. So, totally. Uh, yeah. No, but does the utopianism of Star Trek tend to get over exaggerated? Like, I feel like that's become what everyone <laughs> understands of that show. But like, I'm watching the original series for the first yeah. time. Like right now and then there's show, series like DS9 a lot of memorable plots in Next Generation the the two things I'd say is like actually that show like goes dark a lot of times about human nature and, mm-hmm. and about humanity and the other thing is like whatever it's utopianism is founded on is like devoid of political consciousness for the most part like it never actually right. gets to like well how does the society function right so yeah. I don't know if it like there- there's like a few sketches, right, Danielle? Like, yeah. You're probably the biggest Star Trek fan oh, on this call. Yeah, um, maybe. Probably. Rob's a pretty big fan too. Okay. But yeah. But like for me, it's things like the the lack of money in terms of like need for basic needs and for luxury yeah, items. It's it's the sort of backstory is there was a World War Three, right? And 
everything was really, really bad and horrible, and everybody was like, money's bad. Uh, so let's have a utopian society where everybody just works really hard and has everything that they need. Technology helps with that, but also the people who make decisions in this world, the people who are kind of on top and actually making decisions, do things like put the welfare of human beings and sentient beings in general mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. above things like wealth. And and that's kind of that I think that's the dystopian or sorry, the, the utopian sort of ideal that that rides beneath a lot of it is that the people in charge give a shit and will work really hard and will do everything in their power to actually make the world a better place. And that's continually the struggle. It's always like, OK, there's always right. there's always going to Which- be sources that make you not want to do that there is always going to be difficulties there's always going to be you know alien species that have different ideas right. and there's always going to be ferengi and all sorts of other stuff that always kind of, be that ferengi, kind of go man. in against those things but somehow the cooler heads will always prevail and that's i think that's so for the you, utopian the vision of it is is that like you never leave star trek thinking it's all been burnt down we've lost it's that like the struggle there's hope there is hope that is that is like uh, centered on human action, yeah. on a, a hierarchy that is not oppressive, that yes. you can actually trust to, that you can actually trust to do things right, and when they do something wrong, is corrected, and that like, and they'll think about it and feel bad about it. Like the captains <laughs> make mistakes. Like sure. that's that's definitely a, another through line in the series. Like the captains make mistakes. They fuck up. They screw up all the time. But like. They care about it, and they take actions to correct their mistakes. I think the other thing is I think we often talk about the utopianism of Star Trek in terms of the qualities that are talked about in the Federation, theoretically about people back home, yeah. versus what's happening on these on the kind of fringes of the Federation where spaceships are going to interact with other cultures. Like, it's always kind of gestured at that, like, people on Earth got it good. Like, everything back, yeah. everything, everyone who's, like, living in a colony, unless it's a disaster crisis moment <laughs> and, the, and the Enterprise has to, like, fly in to mm-hmm. save the day, like, oh, everything was good until and it's about kind of keeping up the the structures that make sure that everyone's stuff is good instead of like and ideally expanding bringing other people into that group and into the protection of the federation yeah things um, are good on earth in in the uh official passport which i had there's actually a wait, little passport excuse me? there was a literal passport a tiny little book that had all the different planets that Aww. you could go to Aww. and all the things about them earth is in great it's in great shape there's beautiful nature preserves. Mm-hmm. All the different cultures live together in harmony, all sorts of stuff. People think of themselves as like, I'm from Earth, as right. opposed to like a particular nationality or anything. I'm not like one that. of those dirty Klingons, they say. Yeah, yeah. that's a, you know, really, human <sighs> nature has, has done such wonderful <laughs> things in the world. Yeah, I mean, um, there's a lot of like just being in the 80s and 90s in America in this shit. Like, there's a lot of weird racial shit going on yeah. in Star Trek Next Generation. There's a lot of weird stuff. There's like, Worf is a token character yep. in a lot of ways. He, he's basically like treated as like the one guy of color who's also sort like, of listen he comes from a species right. that is just a little angrier than most and, just and naturally like, they're but they have an honor they have uh, he's like but this they have honor. of like yeah. bad east asian stereotype and bad like african stereotype yes. it's like yes. it's rough there's a lot of um, bad shit in season in the original series in the original series yeah. oh, McCoy yeah. just loves to remind non-human crew members that they're not human and therefore are weird yeah. <laughs> your yep. green blood eh? a Spock <laughs> I don't know where your heart is he's a fucking like, old drunk racist like yeah. that's who McCoy is like, yeah. Yeah. and everyone's like <laughs> just a uh, good one Doc. thanks Bones that's yep. real good fucking what about the second part of this question which is like games that actually have a utopian core um, and, and whether or not those are valuable right now if you can think of any 
Yeah, but only like weird art games so that are like yeah, that sure. are just like explore right, this beautiful right, right. world, and that's it. There's no other sort of value judgment other than you're exploring a beautiful world. Right. I think it's not you're not engaging with systems that have to do with uh, monetary systems or anything right. like that. It's just this is a beautiful place. Explore. Have. But fun. is that even utopian, or is that just like? conflict-free or, like, beautiful, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I actually think that I the, that's the, point, yeah. the games that come to mind for me that are utopian are ones that are often about self-determination, um, games from creators who are imagining themselves and they're uh, a world where their identity is safer or or a world where they're working through the struggle of their identity. I'm thinking of a lot of queer creators here. I'm thinking yeah. of a lot of black creators here. Um, or the, uh, the other side of this is this, like, the utopian neoliberal idea through right. uh, city builders. I think like the Anno series of city builders of just like, here is a world that is largely at peace. You can even hit the button that says there's no war and then you don't have to deal with any of the bad like strategy game layer that's on this. And it's just a, it's just a game about building a beautiful city and making sure that all of, that there's enough you know, luxury goods for everybody and there's enough. No, not for everybody, Austin. No, sorry. Not Luxu- for sorry. Everybody. There's enough luxury goods for the people who are in the highest tier who are very happy and there's lots of you know, canned meat for everybody else yeah, and that keeps yeah. them workers happy. The workers doing are happy. all the work. But it's a very utopian yeah. vision of society in the sense that like you don't the, the goal is to just balance out these meters such that everyone's happy like and and that that can be done entirely through marketplace uh, economics. Right. That's like the only vision of utopianism that I see systemically the way right. that you're talking right. about Absolutely. Danielle. Um, otherwise it's often just like um, it's just like big picture metaphor. Like we haven't had our Destiny Two spoiler cast, but the end of that game is basically like, it's gonna be good now. We shot enough people, and like, mm, okay. Um, what about a racing game? Our racing game is utopian. utopian. As well. Yeah, I guess so. All you got is you in the track, and the car works. You in the track, Road, baby. Rainbow, Rainbow Road. Road. Oh, Mario Kart, incredibly utopian. Mario Kart. Uh, I guess you have equal for blue access shells. to shooting other people, <laughs> or like throwing bananas. Everybody has Everybody equal has access, access to bananas to food. You know, you know what do you yeah. think? They, they don't just get banana peels. And you can when throw you... blue shell at, at the richest one. Exactly. That sounds all right to me. Throw blue you know, shell at the 1%. <laughs> you can eat the rich. That's what Mario's really about: punching dinosaurs, eating, eating the, rich. the rich. Thank you, know. you, Mario. I think that's it. If anybody else have any, have any other examples, I would love to know. But like, it's really hard to think of lots of dystopias in oh, video yeah. games. Oh yeah, we could go for mm-hmm. three hours. Right, but. Uh, I think that's largely because like games are so conflict oriented and like that's what I was gonna say. It's like a utopia, maybe in a visual novel or something that didn't require like quote unquote mechanics. Right. Um, that yeah, that's it, conflict is just easier to depict in a video game. The thing that's interesting is like I think we often think about utopias as being like oh it's heaven. Um, right. And I think if you actually look at the history of utopian scholarship, it's always about like, no, like it's our utopia is going to be this commune that then still has to deal with the outside world or or our utopia only comes, you know, in, in, into full when the whole world is unified as a as a single like yes. system that mm-hmm. can interact with each other. And even then, there will always be conflict. There will always, there will always be, problems. be problems. There never like, won't be. Yeah. I would love an adventure game set in a utopian world where it's like the reveal isn't that like the utopian world is secretly a dystopian bad. It's just like you're a fixer who makes sure that things stay good. And like I can imagine a sort of um, what's that company that does those the point and click like Wajedai? Yeah, Wajedai. Mm-hmm. A Wajedai mm-hmm. game set in instead of being set in one of their many sci-fi dystopias or supernatural dystopias, set in this like actually beautiful vision of the things future. Are pretty good. In which your goal is to like keep it that way yeah. and not in a way that just made me sound like I, it, you're going to get a gun and go kill like quote unquote problems. Right. Um, I love right. that idea. I love that. Uh, idea. Speaking of independent uh, 
game developers. This one comes in from Lauren, who says, Hello, Waypoint fam. I hope you're doing well, and congratulations on 100 Waypoint Radio episodes. Seriously, you folks are amazing, and I'm very appreciative of all the hard work you've done this far. Smiley face. Thank you, Lauren. I am a media psychology PhD student focusing on video games. My research methods course just had an assignment to turn in a few chapters of our textbook, sorry, to turn a few chapters of our textbook into a three to five minute explanatory video. Hmm. Instead, I made mine in Twine. It was my first time using Twine, so it was a very simple game, but I had lots of fun and learned quite a bit. My question is, if you were going to make a small educational Twine game, what topic would you cover? Maybe something you're passionate about or something that would fit well into Twine's structure. Thank you for being so excellent, Lauren. P.S. My Twitter handle handle is at Chicken Dinosaur. Very good Twitter very handle. Good, very good. Uh, if anyone wants to see my very first Twine game, it is pinned there. So what's the, the educational, what's the thing you would make an educational, tw- let's just open it up, an educational game about in general. What's a topic that you want a, a good educational game about? And it can be good, or it can be bad if you're like into yeah. like bad educational games. <laughs> yeah, those are fun. I've enjoyed many bad educational games. I used to cover them when yeah. you right used to write about them All for the, the ACLU. So much fun. Point. Yeah, iCivics.org. Those are actually kind of good, to be honest. <laughs> They're better than most educational. games. I'd probably yeah. make a game about catcalling. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how I would do it, but that's it. Seems like a good. One. I feel like there's that would been be a good a educational game. In be the a past few game, years. you know. Yes. No, Patrick. Not a game. <laughs> wow, mm, yeah. Not a game in which you catcall. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh. Like a game to educate people about the harms of, of catcalling. I thought we you meant do, like you're punching the, the catcallers in care. Oh. That's what I. See, when he said that, that's what I imagined. Like, I was like, yeah, you're Shadow punching catcalling. That oh, sounds yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah. Anyway. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. You know, cat calling on connect. It's yes. good. Daniel, uh, Patrick, do you have, do you yeah, have one? Well, I was, th- I, I was, th- I was th- uh, Assassin's Creed this week announced that they're adding this Ooh. like tourist mode to Assassin's Creed Origins as part of a free patch next year. It basically disables the, the story and the conflict and the violence. And you can just kind of like explore the space. Uh, but and, and take photos, right? And take photos. But I wish like, because I've always wanted something like that out of those games, but I wish it would go further. Like, I wish there would actually, like, an educational element yeah. to those mm-hmm. games. Like, there were actually, mm-hmm. like, they had a historian come in. Yeah. And, like, you could, like, the same way that, like, a Valve does, or other developers have done this, but, like, where you can play a game, and then there are sort of, like, audio cues that will, like, plug in as you're going along like the director's so commentary. Like, yeah. yeah, director's commentary. It's like, what if they had... You know, these big, beautiful worlds like in Assassin's Creed, but then, because Assassin's Creed is just a, you know, it's its own twisted take on on history, so it's like, yeah, like, it's a slice of Egypt and there are elements of history, but, like, it shouldn't be taken as historical fact because it's a video game about assassins. Um, but, like, what if, what if in the context of that, um, th- there was, like, an actual edu- educational layer on top of it, which they brought in experts that were to, like, hey, do you want to learn more about the pyramids or whatever like there was some way that you could explore and have that actual like layer instead of just it's a big beautiful 3d space that spent tens of millions on it's like you can actually come away with some sort of context for 
what you're exploring around it. Like, I wish more games would do stuff like that, especially the Assassin's Creed games, which, like, it's... They're halfway there. Like, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. That. That'd be really that. cool. I wouldn't... I would also just like a lot of director's commentary in games yeah. in general. Yes, like, 100%. I think about a game like Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a game that I probably respect more than I like, or... or does Prey have this? Does Prey have director's commentary? I imagine, I'm imagining that. Yeah. Both of those games are games that I would love to go back through and like have audio drops that I could hit on. To mm-hmm. the, that Not that I could hit on. Like, that I could catcall. I could catcall wow. these audio. Cat call that, audio. Yeah. that I could Amazing. click on to be like, hey, tell me how you built this vista. Tell me how right. you designed this enemy. Right. Tell me how you figured out like what the... What the Walk me through the steps of designing this quest. What were some of the challenges? Um, or the, the other thing is like, what is the historical background here? What is the the um, the fictional influences that you drew on while doing this stuff? I think yes. yeah. that would be rad. That'd I think be I think like a thing that I actually really like that they had in Horizon Zero Dawn. They have it in a bunch of games, but they did a really great job with in Horizon Zero Dawn, where the audio logs that like took you back and oh, placed yeah. you in yeah. like the time before um, the time before everybody like was. Spoilers, killed by the machines or whatever. Um, that's what I, yeah, that's what's coming for all of us. That's yeah. just not spoilers yes, for 2020, yes. not spoilers life. for yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, but that was, that was really cool. I would like more of that in games too, just like learning more about like the, the world. world in the game. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be rad. Rob, I, a lot of the games you play are already have not an educational element, but a historical element. So I'm curious, like, is there anything there or do you have a, a completely different song in your heart when it comes to <clears throat> information? that you want to teach No, I mean, I think people. what I'd probably do is, uh, like, I'm always fascinated by the personalities involved in, like, so, like, war games are all about, like, military history, and, mm-hmm. like, so-and-so commands this core, but never, like, involves any of the people. It's all this, like, sort of uh, vision of history sort of stripped of humanity and replaced by uh, sort of mechanical relationships, but uh, probably what I would di- like to dig into is something about, like, the complexities that develop what like within organizations because of like interpersonal dynamics mm-hmm. uh when you're trying to do like massive things like so a, you know a good a good example uh you know would be that uh you know 1914 the, the germans are uh invading I- invading france and one of the things that starts to happen is the various parts of their army start to lose touch with each other and these commanders who had been in, had been in touch with each other and central command the entire time all start like having to make decisions on their own and they start like right. trying to anticipate each other and they start making misjudgments and one of the things that comes up is because there's like a lot of personal ro- rivalry and like disdain between various members of that group uh, the entire attack starts to completely come apart now there's other reasons for that but I think it could be a cool thing where, like, a big part of the game isn't necessarily about, like, making the right decision tactically or mechanically, but, like, just knowing who was the right person to listen to at a given moment, who's the right person to entrust with the task. The other part of that that I love is the ways in which communications technologies can um, either break down or how they influence uh, hierarchical systems in general. One of my favorite like things to go back to, I don't think I've done it all, I've talked about it on this podcast, but Harold Innes, who is this media scholar and historian from Canada, he was the... Um, he was the mentor of Marshall McLuhan, or the medium is the message guy who yeah, yeah. like people vaguely might know. Uh, Innes wrote a lot about how different types of communications technologies shaped early cultures. So that if you had a culture that had easily transportable 
um, uh, media. So if you if you had an early culture that had paper or something like papyrus, it was easy for a central figure to get out specific orders quickly to a bunch of different places. Mm-hmm. So they could like if they could find out how much wheat came in the, to the for the yield this year, and then could decide what the tax rate should be based on what came in or like they would know what was happening on the frontier near their near other civilizations and could you know leverage diplomacy in that way whereas other cultures that didn't have transportable uh, 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 technology in, in that way or, or communication mediums would instead be focused around, this is what Innes says anyway, um, core central tenants that then decentralize the government. Mm-hmm. So instead of having someone in command who was like, do this, do this, do this, they say, okay, do these basic things and everything else, like just as long as you get these ten commandments right that are on stone that are hard to move around, like yeah. everything else should flow down from from those core rules, and you govern yourself based on what your local needs are, as long as you stick to these core rules and these core tenets. And what's funny is Innis started thinking about this because he was a radio operator in World War One, and the sort of thing that Rob was just describing is what happened to him, which was yeah. like if my radio fucks up. This is we then lose that direct direct connection, and we have to revert to what local protocol is, or what the protocol we were taught is, and how well you can execute on that. So, like, I've always wanted games to dig into that part of communications more. It's like one of the biggest bummers for me is playing a strategy game, especially a game like Crusader Kings Two, which is like a game I love, in which you know what's going to happen before you hit the button, where it's like, oh, this is gonna this is gonna work. It says send this thing, it's going to get approved, mm-hmm. you're good. Or or even something like it's one of the reasons why I still kind of like the XCOM system of like it says 97% to hit there's always that 3% and as long as it's being honest and not fucking me mm-hmm. I like it I'm good I'm good with it um, well actually yeah. just, I think like a twine game probably would be a good way to simulate actually a lot of things whether you're yeah. the CEO of a company or like an ancient emperor because like a lot of these things games of this fantasy like perfect information of like, right. having access to be able to verify oh this is what is happening these are the causal relationships but actually for like a lot of people in those positions People are just telling you shit and right. you yep. like assess the value of what they're telling you and the gloss they're putting on it. Right. And like that's why that's one reason why things get fucked up a lot. Stacy really shows cool up. Thing. Yeah, Stacy shows up and she says like listen, the enemy is moving from the east, but Jim says they're moving from the northeast. Like who well, has the better track Stacey, record? Also, it looks good for Stacy for them to come from the east because oh. you know she didn't screw something up. I but see. She's trying to cover for Jim because Jim and she thing. they have a whole affair going on, totally. and there's there's a oh, lot. Oh wait, there's an affair. Wow. Jim and oh, Stacy yeah. are. Oh yeah. I have to know a lot about the people who work for me. Exactly. Oh, General there's a lot. Walker. I got too much going on. There's a lot. Um, the other one for me is is unsurprisingly like uh, labor organization. I like yeah. a game that actually like communicates that quickly. Shout out to to John Boys who. Boys, B O I S, Bois, John so. Boys. Yeah, I don't I've actually said, know how to pronounce that. Me yeah. either. Great, uh, great content producer at this point. Like, used to be a really good writer, then became someone who made really funny videos, really smart videos. Uh, You're continued. familiar with the Breaking Madden. Breaking Madden is his kind of big breakout thing. He's been doing a video series called Pretty Good. Which is a good name. Yeah. It has a really good vibe. It's just like lots of little really good stories. And the one that came out today was about the 1987 NFL um, uh, strike, the player Ooh. strike, and specifically how the Philadelphia Eagles like were fantastic during that strike and like very unified, um, and how some other teams were not, and how that that. I'm not going to spoil the historical events here. It doesn't go well for the strikers, is what I'll say. Sure. Um, but then it, it kind of culminates in this amazing fuck you from the Eagles to one of the biggest uh, anti-union teams, which was the Cowboys. Um, 
really the, oh, the biggest that's anti-union. Shocking to learn that. Yeah, of yeah. course, right? Uh, Patrick, you should watch America's video. team. Go it's fuck yourself. So fucking good, uh, and it's about Randall Cunningham, who does something incredible. Who's my favorite athlete He's, of all yeah, time? Awesome. Um, uh, scramble like Randall and his. So scramble you know, like Randall. go go watch that. But then the the I would love a game that just like digs into what the benefits of organization are. What the what you know what some of the potential downsides can be in terms. There are potential downsides though. For me, the positives outweigh organization the, the negatives so so extensively yeah. that like obviously pro pro union pro organization Definitely. related. Buddy writes in and says oh, hello. I got, I, oh, go ahead. Briefly, very yes. briefly. I would really like a trauma center game that's actually educational. That would be fantastic. That would be okay. like my that favorite thing. I mean, that must exist at this point for actual medical students. It probably does, but it's probably not that fun. True. So you I would like, like like a good game that also like you know the magical mythical thing that's like actually a fun game and yeah. interesting gameplay that you're actually engaged Learning with. Some where you really learn surgery. Casualty. You really learn surgery. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And Perfect. we do a lot of the stuff that you were mentioning before with like radios and EMS. That's it's actually true. a legit thing. We have uh, standing orders versus like Ooh. online medical oh, control. Oh, we're like sometimes someone yeah. like no, 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 don't do the standing order thing for this person. Do this because this, like you've there's a doctor said, on the phone who's right. like, oh, this is the situation. Okay, you need to do this thing that's not I like what you usually that game. do. That sounds really good. I mean, being on an ambulance is a really fun. I game. wouldn't do it for Let real because I'm terrified of uh, fucking up and making it's someone so much die. fun. Mm. But anyway, I'll be on that tonight. An eye and I'm like, hey, you know. cool, I fucked up and made this person. Ah, but then someone eye. will just send you some new eyes. Oh, true. Yeah, you know. True, true. Buddy writes, hello, everyone. I've been wondering something about game developers unionizing. Unionizing oh. seems like it could lead to some great improvements for them, like more reasonable work hours, no crunch, mm. and better compensation post-release. So my main question is, why don't they just unionize? Oh. What hoops do they need to jump through in order to form a union? Would it break down into smaller unions, like one for game artists, one for programmers, etc.? Is it a fear of losing a job to someone not in the newly formed union? Thanks, buddy. Danielle can probably speak a bit to this because Danielle is actually our union rep. She's our union you rep. Are, you are she the... keeps me protected. True. I do um, my best. Yes. You know, I go out there, I fight for our rights every day. I've got my little Norma Ray poster. You do. Someone it's actually very... tweeted at us, um, just really quick, tweeted at us, but yeah. I didn't respond and was like, oh, I'm curious about like what Waypoint's like union situation is are they in the union mm-hmm. yes and uh all of you are in all the of us writers are in, guild. The, in the writers you, guild right? besides... not me because i'm management which yes. is the weirdest thing right. like, i spent but, the last yeah. decade studying and supporting <laughs> labor <laughs> activism and, and labor theory and then like oh whoops like, i'm not in you but now production just started production right? just got unionized um, yes. so the so people who they're... work on our waypoint presents tv yep. show if yep. you've seen any of the short form stuff uh guide to games yes. all mm-hmm. all unionized now which unionized? Is I've, been in, I've been in back-to-back unions uh i was True. At uh, a Gawker uh, before this, uh, who was also unionized, and then yeah, came here. It was bizarre because it's extraordinary to, to it's extraordinary to work for a place that's in a union. It's even more extraordinary to go union to union. Yeah, <laughs> as a writer in America, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been it's been really positive for yes. me to see that happening mm-hmm. inside of online journalism. Absolutely. So why don't game developers unionize? And this also comes hot on the heels, of course, which we haven't talked about yet. But SAG-AFTRA seems to have come to a, a the SAG-AFTRA strike seems to have uh, come to a conclusion. They've reached terms, which are to call them a compromise would be very generous. I think yeah. Uh, yeah. pretty negative terms right. overall. They they kind of held off some really bad things that the game companies were petitioning for, um, but they didn't get some of the larger asks that they wanted. They, it doesn't look like they're getting much more protection from stress vocal from like stunt performances mm-hmm. where they're shouting and yelling. They did secure some more um, information about the projects that they're signing up for, but nothing extraordinary. Like yeah. now they'll know if. The, 
the game that they're going to be voice acting for uh, will be a sequel or not. Not what franchise it's for, <laughs> not oh, whether yeah, or they not... They still don't know anything they sh- beyond that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, they don't know that they should negotiate to, for more money because right. it's a sequel to a huge blockbuster game or not. Right. They just know it's a sequel. And the big one that they didn't get was a bonus structure based on uh, income. They'd right. wanted they'd wanted what is, frankly, like not that much based on uh, if a game was wildly successful, wildly popular, selling million, millions of copies. Um, and they did not secure that. And it's, the, it's, the pre- it's the precedent that would set that. I, so, I think that my guess is they were less worried about actually giving a small amount of money that was residual based uh, or royalty based, however you want to use the terminology, right. as much as the precedent set by someone that worked on a game getting a piece of the pie. So the thing would... is, I've spoken to developers about this since this has happened, and they're all like, yeah, no, I've been at houses that do that 100% already. They don't give, they do give bonuses for mm-hmm. sales. So it's not like a thing that has, doesn't happen at all in, at some game. Uh, developing it's codifying houses. it that's terrifying to the shareholders. I think that that's what it is, yeah. like codifying it into a contract yeah. like mm-hmm. that says this is a guaranteed thing and not this is a little, this is a, it's a bonus, right? Like, oh, this right. is a little thing I'm tossing you for, for fun. Like, right. no, this is guaranteed if the game is, is successful. Yeah. Exactly. How, how much of an obstacle do you think it is, though, that like just ideologically it might not be the most fertile soil? Oh, uh, it's ter- at, yes. Because like, uh, you know, a friend of mine who's a, who's a game developer uh, once said that the entire industry is people who all get into it because they think they're going to captain the ship mm-hmm. and never imagine they'll be the ones pulling the oars. Right. And <laughs> I think that that describes a lot of people and their values who get into a lot of aspects of tech. But like just ideologically, they identify their interests with management even when they are explicitly... Uh, even Labor. when they explicitly do not share those interests, even when management right. explicitly has uh, interests that diverge quite a bit from theirs, there's sort of an ideological tripwire that's like, well, I'm part of the system and someday I'm going to get mine out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. I think that I think that, that could be an issue. That alignment with like the tech industry, the fact that games yes. are a tech industry, or like tech, they're, they're tech and art overlapping, tech and entertainment overlapping, but that that tech industry center is like so anti-union, so anti-organization, largely for I think that, that ideological reason, um, and also a kind of a larger technocratic ideological reason. Believing in a meritocracy, yeah. right? But also because there's lots of replacement labor. Um, it is a hundred percent. It is. I mean, like so, Patrick, you just reported on the ESA thing. Um, the the ESA came out to support a Trump. They said Trump's bold. The Trump administration's bold leadership in STEM, uh, 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 not field. Yeah, STEM there's a two hundred million dollar right? investment, which right. of course comes amidst proposed budget cuts, of course. state budget cuts to the Department of Education. But. Um, and and I was like, you were ready to go in on it. And I was like, all right, how's he going to go in? Like I could tell he was mad. And I was like, how's Patrick going to go in on it? And in my mind, the one that I go to is like, well, of course, investing in STEM. Uh, is a way to make sure that there's always young, fresh workers who are willing to like step in when somebody else burns out and leaves the industry because the games industry has a huge, a very high burnout rate. Um, you ended up just going the other way, which is just like lobbyists fucking suck, and like the core ideology of all lobbyists is keeping the status quo intact, which is also true. Um, but I think one of the big reasons that game developers don't unionize is it would be very easy to find replacements for yeah. a lot of jobs. Not every job, and not every person. There are lots of people who who would be, uh, if not irreplaceable, really hard to replace. But the like tr- in the trenches worker would be very easy to replace. Yeah, I mean, you, you, at least you, there's you that need, appearance. You would need management to be on board with unionization yes. for yeah. people to feel comfortable. Like you need people with something to lose which is management uh, getting on board and providing cover but that is antithetical to to unionization because that's worse for management but like if it was said 
hey, it's okay if you unionize, like, we support you, then maybe they would. Right. But especially you would need so many junior people who have just gotten in, don't want to rock the boat. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the people, once you have, so, you know, once you have an entrenched interest, like, you don't want to rock the status quo because that is potentially against your interest. Personal and interest, so, right. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Well, was, I don't see. I don't see it ever happening. I think. I think it's possible that maybe at some point, like, maybe there's a studio that unionizes. Yeah, like, sure. I, like I think what you would hope for eventually was some sort of studio with a progressive mindset, like encourages, like there, there's, like provides a model. Like the reason right. that, like, that's part of what like Gawker did in online media was like provide a model for like, yes, you can be an online media outlet and unionize. Like it's not. Like and once the model's established, then you have something to point to mm-hmm. and build on. So I don't know that it's. I still it's hard for me to imagine the industry uh, fully adopting unionization. But in the same way, I don't ever expect all of online media to adopt unionization. <laughs> I can imagine a world in which like studios adopt unionization yeah. and that they just learn to to cope with it. Not even cope's the wrong word because that attaches a negative connotation to it. But it's integrated into the way they function as a studio. At that, then you see other studios following that, um, but you need someone to take the first step forward. But that first step is is, well, that is first, difficult. That first step either has to happen from uh, someone in management who really believes in this as an ideal, as an ideal, or from in a position where the risk of saying no, you can't unionize, is outweighed by the risk of people unionizing, and so management is forced to let them unionize without firing everybody. Right? Yeah. Like that is the at the end of the day, the entire notion of a union is that like through uh, collective organization, through, through through collective bargaining, you can end up uh, getting rights that you would otherwise not have access to. You end up having better pay, uh, more security, uh, better benefits around things like health care, because all of you are going at once and being like, hey, this is super important to us, and like, if you don't give us this, like, we're out. Uh, and you need to be in a position where you can actually make that threat a viable threat yeah. and one that like – the your your employer will be like startled by that threat and right now there are not a lot of people in this larger field of of like major game publishers who would be shaken by that but you know i don't know like maybe it's also hard to see because the the other fear is really like if for instance every developer did get residual payments which i believe that they deserve on successful games People will often say, well, won't that just like shake up everything and make games like not profitable to the degree that they are now? And the answer is yes. Um, and yes, that would be like disastrous for a lot of companies. And for me, that doesn't that isn't an illustration that it shouldn't be done. It's an illustration that the current model is not equitable and sustainable. Yeah. It can't be it's not both of those things. It's sustainable like, only like if it's movies inequitable. movies does the hot the hot yes. like yes. movies are still made. Right. Uh, and, 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 and they're still fucked up in some ways. Like you talk to any visual ef- uh, effects uh, person right now, any any like CGI creator uh, in Hollywood, like there have been lots of problems in the last five to ten years in that field yeah. because those movies have done super well. Movies like like uh, the Avengers and that whole series do super well and have historically, in some instances, not paid super well to right. those people who don't get residuals, despite the fact that they're the ones who are animating these huge they made wild fight scenes. Ninety percent of what's on screen, right? Exactly. And, and, many scenes, yeah. um, and so like. That's still has problems, but yes, Patrick, exactly. That's an industry that had that fight and like restructured itself, yeah. so it could be both more equitable, maybe not as a, not utopian, but more equitable and sustainable enough to continue functioning. And like, I want us to have that fight. Like, I do want, I want everybody who works for Ubisoft, all eighty thousand people, to be like, I'm not coming in tomorrow. You're in the UB Union. The UB Union. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's the other thing is there are actual there are 
things that claim to represent the workers oh, of sort games. Sort of guilds-ish. Uh, but but yeah. they are not unions. Right. And the, you've seen splits from some some people who had wanted them to be more union-like. Uh, so things like the independent game developer, not the independent, the is it the, the IGDF? Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like, hey... This theoretically is a union, or this is not a union. This theoretically is a workers' organization, but it doesn't actually do much outside of kind of loose advocacy. Um, so, like, I would like to see one of those develop into a bigger thing, or I'd like to organically see what Patrick is saying, which is like yeah. a studio decides we're going to give the world a model. Yeah. <sighs> I wish I wish we lived in a world where game developers all got well paid and yes. weren't crunching all the time. Um, also, healthcare for everybody. Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. You know, just generally universal speaking. education and healthcare. Those are those would help Patrick, the game do you, industry. Do you have an answer yet to what game you want people to play? Because I have a follow up to that that <laughs> is similar. Should we do another question? We should definitely do, do there's closer. definitely one more, but I just need to read this one bit because I wanted to get Patrick's answer, which was this uh, person generally just wants to know if the woke gamer himself has oh, ever mm. gone back to play World of Warcraft because you once wrote about how you should play it, but you but uh, you probably wouldn't. No, I, sh- I, I, yeah, I think I wrote so about it because I wrote about it in the context of, uh, like, uh, you should understand how an MMO works just to know how it works, like, just in the mm-hmm. service of, like, what I did. So can I give um, you, can that be your answer for the game you want someone on the podcast to play? Is... <laughs> I want the woke gamer to play World of Warcraft. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, this last question is related. This comes in from Patrick. Who says greetings? Oh, okay. That's greetings good. to the Waypoint crew from Texas. I hope everyone is doing well today. I also hope you may be able to shed some light on something that has caused a little bit of confusion for me. Mm. Do you want to read the rest of this? Why me? I don't want to read the rest okay, of it. Okay, I will. <laughs> what does woke mean? Oh, is boy. it a bad thing or a good thing? I feel like the word was used sincerely for some time, but now it feels Man. like people are using it ironically. That's I, a deep question. Am I correct in feeling that like, the meaning of the word has changed? How do you keep up with internet jargon if people change what the words mean all oh, the time? <laughs> Thanks <laughs> and congratulations. Oh, man, that's... I, I love the... I love the... What is corn cobbing? Itself. Yeah, it's really What is good. corn cobbing? And then there was a sound. There was a sound. Uh, thanks and congratulations on 100 episodes, even if this email gets read much later. Got read on our 100th episode. Mm-hmm. We did it once for once. I think everybody who um, is highly active on the internet, especially Twitter, has some form of, like, irony poisoning um, in in some ways. And it's, they're trying to drill into... Yeah, people are yeah, drilling they're, into they're irony drilling right next to us. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that the word woke was a word that was used sincerely for, uh, a, hot for minute. a hot minute. Yeah. And I do think sometimes people still use it to refer yeah, yeah, to yeah. other people as, you know, being being like progressive and, yeah. and, and kind of having a grasp of, of the shit that's going on and being on the up and up. But like, I think everyone who uses Twitter excessively has some form of irony poisoning yeah. and just kind of like repurposes these words to be. Well, like, I think in this case, it was repurposed, and the second it was repurposed, the second that, like, woke comes from black culture. Yes, 100%. The second that, like, very corny white politicians started using the word woke, mm-hmm. it was dead. That yeah. one guy from Canada, the guy who, like, loves Drake, the Toronto yeah. guy. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Yes. Well, yeah, he was using it, like, a lot. So, like, the second that... Well, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, and there was also... the. It lo- when it became performative, like yes. we talked about this when yeah. we were discussing the allegations against Nick Robinson, is like performative wokeness in which you uh, pretend or or act as though you are 
uh, aware of like larger systemic structure. It's like a, a larger term for you know like being acknowledging sexism and racism and all sorts of other things. Like when it became a performance, when it became like performative wokeness, that's also when the word lost a lot of it because it just didn't mean mm-hmm. anything. It's like, oh, you're woke now, huh? Right. Yeah. Right. Like it's like just just uh, the same way that like uh, when people would write pieces about like like oh I acknowledge like. So I'm a feminist. Like that doesn't fucking right. mean anything, right? right? Like it, you, there you, was a period where like a straight white male writing like I'm a feminist, I identify with feminism, and like writing that was instructive and was a and political action, and, and, and it was a helpful like mm-hmm. ally action. And then at a certain point, it became to co-opt uh, a uh, shitty term uh, used by the alt right, virtue signaling. <laughs> it actually was what that is. Like uh, performative wokeness is virtue signaling, which is like co-opting right. uh, for personal uh, gain for personal gain and action that you don't necessarily practice in your private life. That's um, the big difference, I think. That's the yes. thing. I think that the moment for me that woke became a thing that you use as a dis almost, not not fully, but like as like a, an eye roll at Only least. Only if you're kind the of throwing shade. You throw shade. You know. uh, throwing shade also. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Also black culture. Uh, so uh-huh. uh, queer culture also. Um, a little bit. The, the moment for me that that is interesting and, and meaningful about woke losing its its purely positive meaning is like we expect more like it is not enough to to be awoken to the evils of the world like oh it's cool you're woke what are you doing Mm -hmm. what are you doing to address these things in the world that you are not pleased with like it isn't enough to know that feminism is a good thing it isn't enough to know that racism is bad and that like you know that the police are shitty like Thanks, bro. Like, what are you well, doing like, to keep me from being shot, though? Right. It's like if you if you watch Dear White People when it was airing, like they used <sighs> they, they used the word woke like a fucking ton, but like seriously, the way that yeah, right? but seriously, yeah. like they they used it in the way that like it was made to be used, you mm-hmm. know, and and again, like stay it is, woke. It, it is it is an AAV term that's been like co opted by you know shitty white people to turn into some kind of ironic bad joke. Thing, yeah. Well, yeah, I think the the thing there too is like, for me, one of the sm- one of the things that was, is is okay about that turning around is a lot of the people who I saw first using it as a negative term, it was like other black people on Twitter looking mm-hmm. at white people who were who were themselves using it right. like, oh, I'm like people who are saying like I'm proud to be woke, and it's like, bad. no, you can't, bad. just bad, 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 like do something. My warlock speak is, out. A, is a level two hundred and eighty nine oh, awoken female. I hate you yeah. so much. Yeah. Destiny hit yeah. me up. Patrick's face is really good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, god the the awoken warlock uh, is is French with the woke gamer. Is that your new uh, you know persona for Pax Wrestling? A, the awoken the awoken warlock, the awoken female warlock. No, oh I do god. have a new I do have a new a new persona that will debut at, at Pax East of Sure. Ooh, hell yeah. Jeez. All right, I think that is going to do it for the woke gamer is back. Are, to are be you going to be an RB social media person? <laughs> Real quick, uh, Waypoint's Twitter is the absolute best because I tweeted at Arby's and I somehow got them to agree to play video games with me as long as we are playing an anime game with Patrick. Oh, is so. that why you want him to play Dragon Naruto? Ball Fighters. Well, yeah, I always, yeah, I always want him to play Naruto. Yeah. Yeah. Like Arby's, their social media person is like aware of me. And these meta jokes in mm-hmm. a way, like, did they go back and research it? Did they already know? They knew. I this is they- as. I want the answers in the same way I want to know why the ground disappeared. Here's the thing is they don't have one social media person and this was I was struggling with this Ooh. yesterday because I was looking 
for who runs their social media. I think they do a lot of outsourcing um, Interesting. and have like multiple people, but I think they have one person who like knows games. <gasps> right. They so, tag that person in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They tag Expose. Yes. Waypoint exclusive. Are you, are you, are you woke about Waypoint? Mm. I'm going to tag this podcast um, right now. Shout out to Bowen <laughs> for letting us use the track Miss Woke You point. off the EP Woke Pale point. Machine. Find out more information about that track and, and the rest of Bowen's music at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Thank you, Danielle, for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Danica, for being on the You're show. Welcome. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, people know where to find us already, so I'm not going to go through all of our Twitter. Shout out to Rob Schulte, Rob K. Hey, Schulte Rob. on Twitter. Uh, it has been 100 episodes, so shout out to everybody who's ever made this possible. Shout out to, to Joel, who was in recovery after some surgery. He's doing well. He's just, you know, recovering. He's getting better. Shout out to Dylan, who who has been a, produ- a producer for us for a long time. Shout out to Tim Barnes. who Shout out to also Basement Downstairs Tim. That, well, who, the first editor downstairs of Tim. Mitch. Oh, Mitch. I have it down here. To Mitch, <laughs> who edited us Mitch. back when we were in the bunker. Shout out to Natalie, shout outs to, to Eunice, who isn't with Waypoint yeah. anymore, and mm-hmm. well, but shout outs to Eunice, obviously. Shout outs to everybody who's ever helped us do the podcast, who's helped us with lighting, like Danny Brothers and, and like uh, uh, CL, my boss. Mm-hmm. Shout outs to Rick and Legal. Mm-hmm. 100 episodes. We did 100 it. Ups. 100 ups. A year of this, of this, of Vice Gaming's new podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash waypoint, at facebook.com slash waypoint vice, over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash waypoint. It looks like we're going to get YouTube uh, archives back up soon. That's youtube.com slash waypointvice. I have a meeting in 10 minutes, so I'm going to run and go do that. Danielle, what is it that we say to him? Be good and be good at it. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.